Welcome back to the Masters of Modern Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, with my co-host, Ben Bateman, and welcome to the announcement of the Modern Horizon 2 Awards nominations. That's the kind of the Price is Right's experience. Hello, Ben Bateman. Hello. How are you, Alex? I'm good. Uh, we We... Last week, we announced that this episode might be just the actual thing, but I think we're actually going to do it live uh, Tuesday evening at uh, 7.30 p.m. PSD. Uh, but um, we are a, for those who don't know, uh, we are a modern adjacent focused podcast, the MM cast. <laughs> uh, we're talking about mostly modern things and, and today and, and, and often uh, modern related content that we do stuff on EVH every Monday night. We do a commander stream uh, that'll be starting up next week or tonight as well. We took a few breaks off for the holiday, um, but uh, Modern Horizons 2 is out and decks are being played and cards are being priced out of being able to afford them until the actual cards hit the market. They're because who knows how expensive, right? Well, they're expensive. In the pre-order sense. In the pre-order. They're like, because the problem with the pre-order here is that the good cards for Modern Horizons 1 are $100. And no one knows yet what the good cards are. Once the set comes out, those good cards will stay that $100 price point, right? That's the range. But all the other ones will drop down to reasonable prices. It's That's the problem here is you're seeing the normal standard pre-order stuff where there's like $50 cards, right? Like there are standard pre-orders that you'll get up to $40 to $50, and then everything drops down. And that's what right. it's just with Modern Horizons, everything's doubled. So that normally 40 to $50 tier one card is $100. And the other problem is this set is so packed with power that there's a ton of them that could be a $100 card in a year. So they no one knows. No one knows what's good. Um, I haven't bought a physical magic card in 15 months. Um, I don't think unless unless I'm forgetting and I did get one pack, but I've played almost exclusively on Arena. Uh, or proxied um i haven't because i haven't gone to a store and i haven't played with people so ordering packs and stuff just i don't usually like crack a box but i did the other day order pre-order a booster box of horizons 2 i decided to do it uh i guess actually the last time i did that was commander commander legends i did buy myself a box of commander legends kind of recently and uh that was the first one so this will be the second one i bought and uh, I'm very excited about it. I, I, the set has so many cool cards. And the thing that's great about the set, we're going to talk about this a lot tonight, is it has a lot of really cool mythics. It has a lot of really cool rares. It has a lot of really sweet uncommons. Like, it's got great and then commons. all of the, yeah, a lot of the fancy stuff too. The like fancy card versions you can open are just awesome. They're mm -hmm. all awesome. So I was pretty excited. It's expensive. I mean, I, I was surprised when I went to pre order the box because it's not 24 packs, it's 36 packs. Yes. Which, uh, is you know 36 premium packs it's expensive like there's a, there's a reason so that was a gift to myself on that one yep yep uh well it's it's like i got surprised because with modern horizons 2 i had purchased the for modern horizons 1 i bought two boxes and after drafting one once and now we've drafted another one i was like oh that would be it and then i have an entire third draft available worth of modern horizons one. Oh, was, uh, was was horizons one 36 as well yes for some reason i yes. thought it was 24 no because oh, yeah, okay. they're both 36 yeah um and then modern horizons 2 is the same deal so uh that's really exciting and then um i'm excited to even try doing uh like a modern horizons one and two co-draft kind of the way we did the time spiral uh, one 
um to see if that's a cool thing or even draft them together do do you know or maybe do like four packs do like two, two and two and do something cool like that or like mix up formats um uh, it's, like it's pretty probably sweet. mastered with the two horizon sets would be a pretty awesome draft format that's got a lot of similar mechanics that'd sure. be really fun so power level is way worse which we found out last time but uh yeah. so so they explain what the modern horizons two academy awards or awards voting we're the academy alex kessler Ben Bateman, Masters of Modern. Uh, but but in reality, what we did is uh, I created a nomination process. We've shared it on our Discord, which you can join if you want to click the link below. Um, there's a lot of cool conversations happening there. We shared it on Twitter. We shared it on Facebook. We shared it on the podcast episode last week. Um, and it was a just a list of categories, different nominations. Now, not all categories made it to the awards. For instance, uh, Uncommons and Rares and Mythic uh, did not make it, but Commons did. Um, that's for popper players out there. <laughs> and uh a bunch of other different uh, options came up some of it was just like there was no nomination consensus uh best artwork literally we got 13 no we got uh, i think we had 35 different pieces of artwork flatly voted for like not one person picked the same artwork and i was like i can't limit this down i don't know so that was removed but we ended up with uh, i believe it's 17 categories uh across across the board that um we'll be going over this includes best red card best black card best best green card, best blue card, best white card, best artifact, best gold card, best land, best new to modern reprint, best new card printed, funniest card, best flavor reference, best common, best legendary creature, best card uh, for the 99 in commander that's not a legendary creature, uh, most likely to get banned, and uh, best card. And that is the 17 categories. Uh, there's some repeats. We're going to go over each of the nominations today. This is the first time we're announcing those nominations for the world. And uh, voting will continue until um, the end uh, or the beginning of Tuesday morning, uh, our time. And then we'll we'll announce, uh, or I guess maybe even up into the awards themselves live. Well, there'll be a cutoff point sometime Tuesday. So make sure to get your vote in on Tuesday um, before Tuesday next week. So you have 24 hours after this episode is released on Monday morning. Um, we'll be doing a live stream on Tuesday night uh, on the Twitch channel. We normally do the commander stream, uh, twitch.tv slash Kess Wiley. Um, and that gives you your chance to vote for these nominations. And we're going to go over them. This is what we're doing instead of the review. Uh, normally, when we do a set review, we go over every, you know, we, we pick a few cards. Sometimes we do a top 10. There's just so many cards in this set that it was really hard to just go over every card that's possible. We're going to be talking about this set forever. Um, last week, we did kind of a, a, a preemptive uh, which new decks were created and which old decks get better uh, and kind of talked about which cards we think we're doing that. And then now we're just talking about the best of the best of all these categories. So without further ado, let's let's go through the nomination <laughs> process uh, or not nomination process, but the nominations. So nominated for best red card, we have four options. Rugavun. Uh, what's the second half of what the, what the card is Nimble called? Nimble Pilferer, I Nimble believe. Nimble Pilferer, Imperial Recruiter, Goblin Bombardment, and Blazing Rootwalla, uh, which snuck in just under the line. Um, I mean, these are really good ones. Yeah, so Imperial Recruiter is definitely maybe the reprint I was most excited by. And we talked pretty much in depth last week of all the cool things you could do. The fact that it finds Karmic Guide, it finds uh, Splinter Twin, it f or not Splinter Twin, RIP, it finds Kiki Jiki and Pestermite, yeah. um, or Deceiver Exarch. Like it finds all the pieces of that combo on its own is really powerful. I'm always a big fan of toolbox cards. This is also a creature that comes into play that then can be blinked. Um, so it's like really good in counter cat decks as well. Um, I'm just, I, yeah, I think it's really, I think I'm, I'm pretty hyped on this card just being existing. You're really hyped about, about, uh, our little monkey friend. 
I mean, Ragavan is like real high on my list of things that I'm the most stoked on. Um, just I feel for multiple reasons. I feel for the purpose that he's like in all formats. Like, first of all, in the old days, just a two mana or just a one mana two one creature in any color was good. That was like a thing that was good. So Vanalions was a freaking rare. So <laughs> then Isimaru was like, well, we can give you a two two for one because it's legendary. It's like, oh, OK, so we're really getting the extra piece of toughness here. And then now they've pushed it and they've pushed it. And so now you're telling me that I get for one mana, a two one that whenever it deals damage to you, accelerates me and gets me a card. And the acceleration happens where I can sacrifice it to get the color that I need to cast the card. But also it has dash so I can put it into play and get it back to my hand every single turn if I want to. And I can take advantage of ETB effects like it's just bananas. This card is so powerful. If this card had cost two mana. I would still be talking about how good it was, is the crazy thing. I would still be talking about how insane this was if it was red one. Is this card better than uh, Goblin Guide? Yes, far better. Okay, okay, okay. Far and I think better. the reason is because, I think the reason is because, okay, so if by turn two, Goblin Guide's going to get four damage, right? It's going to cost you two mana for four damage. Mm-hmm. And by the third turn, probably Goblin Guide's dead. But it'll what mana probably four be damage. So what you said two mana for for four damage. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, one mana for four damage. Yeah. Correct, because you don't have to recast it. Um, it'll, it's going to cost you one mana for four damage. Probably it's dead by the third turn, and they've probably gotten a land out of it. Is is the guess right? So it's you've you've traded red four to the dome. Probably and, is the an incorrect word, but there's a risk of them getting a land off of it. I mean, a 60 card deck, 23 lands, and they have two shots. It, they, they don't have a 50 50 shot. They have like a they have like a 42 58 shot, but it's a pretty good it's, shot. It's like a 60. It's a 60 percent chance. Right. So or that they miss. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's, so it's like 46. I'm saying the, the odds are still decent. Right. So like the idea that for two mana. Uh, for two mana on turn two, I'm going to get two damage, but I will also have the opportunity to get a card and I will accelerate myself, and my creature's not on the battlefield for you to kill it, uh, is insane. Yeah. <laughs> or for one mana, if they don't kill it, you just play it on turn one, and on turn two, you're still getting in two damage, you're getting the card, you're getting, like, it's so much better. What Goblin Guide is doing, I guess, is is better for exactly the deck that wants Goblin Guide. Right. So I guess that's the difference, is that you would play Guide over this card, probably. But I don't even, you might even play two of these in that deck anyway, just because yeah, it's yeah. part of it. It's not like they're exclusive to each other. They can hang out. This is legendary too, so you don't necessarily want to go as deep onto it. And I do agree that, like, I think you in burn you play Goblin Guide over Ragavan. Rag, uh, uh, but I think this card is going to see m- m- significantly more play against multiple archetypes, and is already doing so. Oh, yeah. um, next, we have Goblin Bom- Bombardment on the list. Uh, just I, like an enchantment red free sack outlet is already just going to do really cool things. The ability for it to kind of give aristocrat decks a real, like a real damaging sack outlet is really powerful. It's another card that does actually really well with Imperial recruiter. Um, it also allows you to do like non black based Naya based um, kind of a, a kitchen things combos, like the old Malira uh, combo from birthing pod. You guys had to play black cause there was no good red sack outlets. Now you have this plus the dragon, um, the three mana uh, two two yeah, that becomes yeah, yeah. a four four dragon when you sacrifice. So you now have that option of doing like kind of like a collected company goblin bombardment aristocrats uh, deck that has that backup plan of the Malira combo, which I think is really which is cool. Um, or an offensive combo, right? With, 
I mean, with this, what I always will say is that when we look for cards to put into Highlander decks, which is basically all cards, it's, it's basically like legacy. Um, when you look for cards to put into those decks, Bombardment's the best sack outlet. Like, everybody knows that. It's, it's sort of the standard, like, OG. There's some of the artifact ones that are cool, but Bombardment usually is the one that has some amount of infinite combo loop to it because it provides damage and an outlet. You don't so, need it. You don't need it to be infinite, right? Like the other the other sack outlets are always like you're trying to create an infinite combo, either making mana or milling. Yeah, Gamma Bombardment doesn't need that. You just need twenty creatures or yeah, it's, less. And it's just, it's just a great card. It costs yeah. two. But the one thing about Bombardment that's interesting is then the decks you're talking about. Those decks often play a bunch of creature tutors, and those decks play creature tutors because that they're creature combo decks. Those creature tutors cannot search for a Goblin Bombardment. Well, that's so, why that's why you play the dragon. That's why you play yeah. the the the, dra- the 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 you you play one of the dragon because that card is bad, other than the fact that it goes infinite, and you play like three of these because these are good. Yeah, like the, those decks have always classically been their best strength. Is I win. You are stressed out because at any moment I'm going to infinite you. And in the meantime, while you're worried about me infiniting you, I'm beating you down with creatures and hate bears that punch you in the face. That's like why Imperial Recruiter would be good in that tech too. A, because it finds that sack out, but B, and it finds every other part of that combo. But right. B, it also just like finds you the hate card you need. Do you need yeah. something to turn them off from hurting you? Great. Imperial Recruiter is there. And then Gumball Bombardment is there to help be a sack out in that. And and add that to cool zombie grind decks that are, you know, doing stuff or vengeance. You know, there's a bunch of other stuff that a free sack outlet that does right, damage right, is going right, to be right. good in. Um, and the last card uh, is Blazing Root Walla. So this one, this one um, has already started seeing play in. Uh, I'm never going to say the other card, right? Uh, whatever. Every single letter in the alphabet, uh, lady Trans- who finds you a cookbook. Like I said, Gristle Hungerbutterbugger. Yes, that. Uh, and then, or, and then, <laughs> but with cookbook specifically, the 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 her her cookbook, uh, Blazing Root Walla and Invengevine List, right? Like the 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 Green Root Walla was always a card that I wanted to be able to like make Vengevine work because being able to discard Vengevines and then this be one of the creatures you play off of a discard uh, is like really good. And they've now printed good discard outlets and this, and it's just perfect little amalgamation of, of a great card. And it's, it's powerful, right? Like it's, it's a pretty good for a zero mana threat. It's that technically draws you a card when an errors play, right? Like that's the power of madness is if you can cast something for its madness cost, you're drawing whatever the thing that made you discard as a cost do like most things that make you discard, you're discarding as a cost and blazing root wallet lets you draw an extra card for free and get that card in the play. So I think that's, that's, that's one of its power levels is it turns what are classically costs into, into a free creature, a free aggressive threat. The thing that's always interesting about cards like blazing root wallet is that they're such a testament to the design philosophy and power level of where magic has gotten to, because I think basking root wall of the fact that that card hasn't just been reprinted into standard at some point is like surprising to me, but it's also like, you know, it interacts like not favorably with a lot of different things when they want to balance standard formats. Cause you know, it, it, it's not overtly powerful. It's just that it, it gives you something that doesn't usually exist. You don't usually get to get it just a free creature out of a discard. Um, especially one that can attack for three power. Um, this card is interesting because it's, it's a it's not a functional reprint, right? They scaled down the pump mana, but it's only plus two plus oh instead of plus one instead of plus two plus two. Um, and green is not a color that gives any craps about discarding cards like they just that's right. not a green thing. 
it, like that was a green, green, blue thing way back in the day. Red is all about the reverse loop. That's like a thing that Red has really picked up steam on the last few years. So the idea they're like, okay, this is a red thing. And we're now at a place where modern as a format is just like, this will be a common. We don't care. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, go, 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 go for it. It's like as far as tournament playable cards go, Red has had more discard cards than any card color by like i think a wide margin now black might have more holistically like there's just more cards that care about discarding cards but reds are the ones that are good for whatever reason um and then the the last card and 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 nominations can range anywhere for three to six and and for red we have five and the last card is dragon's rage channeler this is the one another one drop we got a big library of one drop red creatures surprising no one one for a human shaman one one whenever you cast a non-creature spell surveil one surveils back baby and then delirium as long as there are four more card types among cards in your graveyard dragon's rage channel i gets plus two plus two as flying attacks each turn if able um this is just new better delver of secrets and 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 i'm i'm going to say it is better than delver of secrets well a, you classically hate delver of secrets let's be honest i don't you, hate delver of secrets you have so much hate for delver like, it's like astonishing no i think it's bad card. like it's not a hatred thing like there are cards <laughs> that sounds i hate, like hate right right like <laughs> like there are cards that i think are i don't like playing against that are good right like i hate i would hate playing against wasteland in modern as an example or i maybe hate days specifically i do hate days um I don't hate Delver of Secrets. I think Delver of Secrets is very good in Legacy because Brainstorm and Ponder exist. And I think it's, and Days and Wasteland exist. And I think it's very bad in Modern because none of those things exist. And so it's a sometimes you get a 3 2 on turn four for one if you drew it on turn one card. This card, on the other hand, is a one mana 1 1 that surveils every card you play, which is an insane ability. <laughs> so like if that's all this card did i would be excited by this card right like if that's on its front level is one mana for a one one every time you cast a non-creature spell surveil one already already hyped already adding it to like six commander decks already thinking about all the cool things you could do about it in modern i'm gonna put phoenixes in the deck with it and but then you add the fact that like and it's non-creature spell so planeswalkers artifacts enchantments all of that trigger it then you add delirium which means that just like every Every deck that wants to play a bobble gets to just turn Delirium on with this thing. And then now you get the 3-2 doing an action that you're already wanting to do. And it's a 3-3. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. This card's hype. It's better than Delver Secrets. Delver Secrets can go die in a ditch in Modern as far as I care. Okay. You're, you're, you're just being rude now. I think, <laughs> I think with this card, what's funny about it is it falls victim to so many of the classic things that cards that don't just exist as like like when delver flips okay here's the deal you play delver on turn one when delver flips on turn two accidentally you have a three mana flying creature that's attacking on turn two if you commit no more resources to it it just is what it is now i understand you draw it later in the game or it doesn't flip that's fine but the reason delver plays like four levels of removal spells better than legacy that's fine (laughs) i'm not saying that delver's amazing i'm just saying that this card is plus one plus it's plus two plus two for delirium and the surveil thing is cool but like what about when you just like attack and i remove your graveyard at instant speed with any number of the things that i'm probably playing because like well you drew modern you you you, you drew two cards and maybe four cards right like surveilling one after every spell you cast to get to if you play this on turn one and then on turn two where you can get there you can get to delirium but on turn two you also just cast two spells and now you surveil two off of those two spells including putting cards that you want in your graveyard for a card that wants cards to be in your graveyard that's so much value already 
Like it, it, it plays more like a viscerous ear until it's a, it's until it's a Delver where a Delver doesn't do anything. It is a okay. one, one on the floor that doesn't do anything. T- for you. Totally. It's possible. This card is better than Delver. It is possible. I'm not telling you it's that I think flatter. Wrong. it's flatter than Delver. How about that? It does something. Yeah. If you like, if I play my Delver and you just like have a blocker <laughs> and like, that's it. You have a flying blocker. That's good enough to kill or block my Delver. Then my whole game plan screwed. I recognize that this card is going to get me surveil a couple times. Even if it's a turn, I know I'm going to have to attack and it has delirium and it's going to die into a blocker. I'll still probably get a couple delirium triggers. off of it. And there's the mystery of it, right? Like if, like if I have, if my opponent has a Delver in play and they flip it, I'm going to use my lightning bolt on it immediately. I'm going to use my fail to push right. on it immediately. If my opponent plays dragon rage channeler, I don't probably use my removal spell on it until it flips, right? So I so then they're getting the value off of their 1-1 one, one in the meantime versus Delver Fair. where they're not as Fair much. Point. And like, yes, Delver of Secrets, turn one, my opponent doesn't have a removal spell, and I reveal a, an instant or sorcery, which is a lot less things than non-creature spell, and I flip it, is better than this card. But like, right. that's what I'm saying. Like, the height of Delver is better. But most of modern isn't the height. It's the middle. And this is better in the middle and has moments where turn one, I play this turn two, I fetch play bobble play uh, any instant or sorcery that mills cards. And I I'm, you know, um, I'm now I'm now there. Right. Like I already or like I like I play I fetch cast bobble play an instant play a sorcery. I now have a, a three three flying on turn one played a bunch of good cards. And why am I not just but but also like aren't we just playing this with Delver in the same deck? Because in no, reality, like I don't think this people makes should, my Delver don't play Delver. Make my Delver better because I can serve because I can surveil away the thing that isn't the instant or sorcery just spell play death shadow, like the good Delver in modern. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not telling you Delver's amazing. I'm just saying like, I think I would play a deck with this and Delver together. That I'm, just to me makes like a lot of sense. And also wouldn't because you have surveil because you probably are playing, like, I guess looting is not legal, but like, wouldn't you just be playing both cards in like a blue red Phoenix deck? Wouldn't that in, just be what in you legacy, would do? I would play Dragon's Rage Channeler and Delver. In modern, I would play Dragon Rage Channeler and Death Shadow and not play Delver. I, I, like, you're, just, I, you're, I like, just, you're just a jerk. Let's move on from the top. We should we should move on. <laughs> I just think Delver is a bad card it's, in modern. <laughs> it's 1018 and we've gotten through three cards. This no, is a one one category. All right. Next category. And we'll, we'll we'll maybe spend a little less time on red, which apparently is the most contentious category. Um, we got best black card. We got four cards in best black card. We got number one Ooh. is grief. Number two is Dwathi Voidwalker. Number three is damn. And number four is persist. There are only four this is in this a category. Sick category. Like, first of all, we first of all, we previewed one of these cards. We actually got two insanely powerful preview cards this time, which is so cool. Like Wizards gave us insane cards. Like, the, like the Voidwalker has an argument for being in the top three or four cards in the whole set. Um, that card is really good. Uh, we have we um, have we have best card as a category at the end of the podcast, Ben. Okay. Okay, just saying. So starting <laughs> from the beginning, for me, like, and I don't know if you disagree here, but I think Grief is a strong contender for best card in the whole set. So, like, I actually feel like we, if we start at the top here, Grief probably is the best of these four just because, like, it's doing something so uniquely powerful and it's free to do it. So I, I think we've said a lot about Grief. It feels like it's probably the best of the four. Do you have anything to add on that card we haven't already said? Oh, I don't, I, I, I would not say it's necessarily the best of these four cards. I do think it's very good. I think, I think... 
we're talking about in many of these categories. Some of these, every single one of these categories is going to have cards that are in the best cards of all time in the set, right? Grief, we've talked a lot about it. We talked about it a lot last week, I think. Uh, and did, for, for time's sake, I agree. Let's move on. I also think for Voidwalker, we did a whole preview card episode on it. Highly recommend going to that one. Um, it continues to be impressive. People have found ways to loop it. We didn't even mention its ability to interact with Luros, which was, was a miss on our part, but obviously is extremely powerful. Um, damn is being heralded as the best board wipe of all time, um, which which I think is coming from the perspective that there was arguments that Wrath of God itself was already the best board wipe of all time, and Damn just adds a, a dual face card, black, black removal spell to it that you could always just cast. And it also gets around uh targeted stuff because of the 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 or like weird stuff i think like it does kill yeah it, it does something weird things because it doesn't target it's overload versus versus anything yeah. else so um i think uh, damn and both sides of damn are obviously are are, are but going we to also, be but then forever. we also got but then we also got persist which like compared to the other cards we're talking about feels less powerful but like Persist is just animate dead, which has like been one of the most played legacy reanimator cards ever, except now we have it in modern. It's a little different because it's non-legendary. So it does feel like of the four, this is the redheaded stepchild. It's the least powerful of the four. But like th this category is bonkers. They <laughs> like they really went ham on black. And like, yes and no. Right. Like of the f of the cards that these cards are holding, I think I think grief being comparable to Thoughtseize is is like Thoughtseize is one of the most played cards of all time. Damn though is like Wrath of God is not the most played card in the format, right? Like it's 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 right. a good card. Wrath has seen a ton of play in modern and a, and a two mana black removal spell also sees sees a decent amount of play in modern. So both halves are that really good and, and keeps the power love. Animate Dead is a legacy staple still. <laughs> uh, and like commander staple everywhere. Persist probably just sees play in those formats alongside Animate Dead. If you're not trying to get like the, the thing you can't get, you can't get Grizzle Band. You can't get Eloshnorn, right? Like that's that's the big loss. What you can get is a bunch of other powerful things. And in Legacy, like for a while, the demon that makes everyone discard their hands has actually been the more played reanimate target for a long time out of decks like like Dredge. So I think Persist is going to be great. I think this card's like maybe even currently being a little underrated. I mean, I think all four of these cards are are very good. It's a very I, if I had to category. guess, it's a very competitive if category. I, if I had to guess, the one that I think is going to end up seeing the most play of all four of these cards, it's damn. And I think the reason is because being in double black and having a creature that does what Voidwalker does, like having a three two unblockable essentially that's doing this, is really cool. But like, it doesn't totally belong unless you're playing a deck that kind of wants to be killing them with damage. Cause there's a lot of different things that get rid of graveyards. Like ley lines is free. If it's just in your opening hand, like people play that card, mm -hmm. you know? And like, I do think that grief is awesome, but also there's going to be decks that are like, I don't really want a two for one myself to get this going on turn one. And I'm not really a deck that wants to play this creature. Like I'll just play thoughtsies. That's enough for me. I was doing well enough with my thoughtsies, you know? Yeah. But I think damn is like, Dam is kind of the odd man out card of this whole category because it's like it's already card. black black for what it does is just so good. That's already such like sure. a solid effect. Like all of the different two mana spells that get played from everything from like terminates. Uh, Dreadbore. To, yeah, Dreadbore, Abrupt Decays, like effects like that are very played anyway. Mm -hmm. So the fact that this is just black black for a comparable effect to what we already have. But then the backside of it is like 
a type of card that we'll always see play in every format as a two to three of in mid-range and control decks forever, but you get both on the same card. And all that's required is that you're just playing a black-white deck, which I'll admit, playing a black a heavy black-white deck, black, black, and white, white, it's not the most ideal. Like a jund is a little sweeter, but like you tell me I'm playing Abzan or Esper and I have to have heavy mana considerations to play this card, I'll just do it. It's so good. It does. It does so many of the things that decks like that want to be able to do with one card. Yeah, I think I think to me, the color co- issue is the big issue there, right? Like now, I think people are underrating just playing Dan by itself. I agree with you. Like just a straight up murder in black, black, meaning you don't have to play Terminate, right? Like right now, the only other card in modern that just for two mana kills a creature, no matter what that creature is, is Terminate. Um and that's at instant speed. Like Dreadboard does that plus a Planeswalker at, at sorcery speed. So, but like you can play this in any non red deck is like a value play. Like any black, green, white deck, any black, blue deck, like anything that doesn't yeah. need red, you, this now is an option. And then add all of the Espers of the world and the Orzovs and the Abzans where you get to now cast the overload half. And it, it obviously is extraordinarily powerful. Um, I think it's, Gold status is to me, it's gold status. It to me is its big knock. Like kind of your point with with grief is like grief has a real cost. Discarding your hand or just exiling a card from your hand is not a non-zero cost to that card. And the problem with grief on the other hand is you have to commit to it, right? Like you kind of can't, maybe on games two and game three, you don't do it. But pretty much against any opponent, if you're playing grief in your deck, you need to play a deck that is okay mulliganing to six and still being able to win to some extent. Um, with obviously the, your opponent also mulliganing to six and getting their best card and out of also, their hands. Also, though, but don't don't forget the fact decks in Magic mulligan. They do like they ha- even the best decks are the most balanced costs. They mulligan all the time. It happens in Magic constantly. What you're telling me is that in the game where I'm playing Grief in my main deck and I don't get the best opening hand that I mold a six, and now I I mold a six and Grief is in that opening hand. I have to be willing to pop it off in a six in a six card opener. Right. Like you're always able to just cast it for four mana eventually if you like or like hold on to it. Turn two, turn three to draw into it. Um, uh, Like all four of these cards are amazing and any of them deserve deserve the win. Uh, The best green card uh, award goes ignoble hierarch, endurance, Gaia's will and Chatterfang. Uh, Ignoble hierarch is 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 I believe currently one of the favorites to win. That's the the new. Uh, Jund, noble hierarch, but 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 in Jund, uh, endurance is the green version of the pitch one that exiles graveyards. Um, you have Gaia's will, which is Yagmoth's will, but in green with suspend, and you have Chatterfang, um, who is the uh, legendary, uh, the legendary score general that goes infinite uh, with with a few different combos and uh, makes one one tokens off of tokens. Uh, I think it's it is here a little bit more as a concert to to commander. So Ignoble Hark currently the favor favor right. This this is another card that's in contention for best card in the set. We've talked a lot about this card already. Just having an eight, you know four extra noble hierarchs that are also just so you can play eight of those or play Jund or whatever is really strong. Endurance is a little bit of a dark horse. I think people are underestimating how good a flash three, four reach for three is. That is also one of the best graveyard hate spells in the format. Like this, this is like kind of a great little beater. That's really going to like just sometimes ruin a dredge player's day. And I can't believe that card is, I, I can't believe they printed a three, four flash for three that does this because I actually think, I mean, I think they were trying to, Similar to the Titans, I think they were trying to figure out a way to make all five of these kind of special. Like, I think they knew these these were going to be the card. You know, everyone's going to talk about these cards. 
But like they could have made this a two-two. I think I said this on our on a review show. If this was a three-man a two-two that did the exact same thing, it would have a two-two reach that does the same exact thing. Even like a two-three, it, it would have been totally fine. A three-four reach flash for three is already good enough that you could just be playing like a blue green deck, just like a blue green tempo deck with this card in as a card, and like. Yep. It's good enough. You don't you don't need to sandbag this. So like I I think you know this card is pretty nuts. I I don't think Guy's Will is the top here. I am really impressed with Guy's Will. I think it's a very cool card, especially considering you can suspend this and like when you want to use a card like Yog Will, it's usually a few turns into the game anyway. Some other things have to happen. So actually, this card being a suspend card is fine. Like it's not the same as some of the other. Well, it like sets cards. you up for the turn you're going to win, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I think it's fine. I actually think it's very powerful. Um, but and I don't think Chatterfang for me in modern feels it's a combo card for sure. Like, I, I definitely understand that it, it's going to slot into a creature combo deck, but I think the creature combos are good enough. We don't need this. Yeah, I think it doesn't win you the game. It just like wipes the board, too. I think that like as a commander, it's very cool. Um, Guy's will to me is the one that I'm a little bit more interested in. Just the fact that it like. Underworld Breach has seen so much play, and this card does very similar things in colors that maybe don't need red. Now, like, red is the best color for that, but also getting to play both is just on its own something that's really interesting. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's definitely some cool stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it's I think it's between uh, uh, one of the other ones. But yes, uh, a really, really strong category. Yep. But before you move on, I think we just have to admit, like, Noble Hierarch is one of the most powerful cards of all time. It's one of the best, most consistently good cards ever. Regular Noble and it's Hierarch. Not, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Noble Hierarch. And it's not in the best color combination in terms of the colors that it produces. It's so good, in fact, that there are many decks that play this off color just to get you green and something. <laughs> or sometimes it's more just common a, green. Yeah, it's more common a blue green card uh, than a than yeah. a bant one or a blue, a green white one or a yeah. In fact, so the idea that like you are now getting the same card, but in magic in, in modern's most consistent three color deck ever that like famously was so good with with death right shaman that it got death right shaman banned. But, yeah, like, it makes me makes me think like like uh, how much. OK, here's a question for you in modern. How much worse is ignoble hierarch than death right shaman? That's the question I want to ask before we move on worse. How much worse? Uh, I mean, definitely worse. But I'm saying like 30% if, if, worse. if Hierarch's a 10 or sorry, if, uh, if, if, if Shaman's a 10, 30% where is worse. it? Nope. 30% worse. The seven. Okay. Yeah. I'm fine with saying that. Death Ray Shaman is one of the best creatures of like best cards ever printed, right? Like it, it's, 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 it's ability to also splash into any color is not to be like the reason Jund was still a problem after Bloodbraid Elf got banned was because it was able to splash white and play a Johnny's Vengeance or whatever other card it ever wanted to play so i think i think like five colors versus three colors on a body that is a threat is still better plus it's a hate card okay. plus you know all the other things that it was that we don't have to go into death right shaman that being said there has never been a good bant deck in modern yeah ever I, <laughs> people I, like, try. Can't, i can't i certainly try i can't think of one and maybe there is and someone's gonna tweet at me being like oh what about this one fine but there are uh, a lot of good Jun decks <laughs> and Noble Hierarch sides right into that. Um, all right, best blue card. Uh, we got Counterspell, Suspend, Sivillin of Sea and Sky. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Worst card just from the impossibility of pronouncing it. And then Merc Tide Regent. Uh, those are the four blue cards. First, we got Counterspell. 
I don't know what else more to say. We we had a, when these when it was first previewed as the one of the first card show, we had a whole talk conversation about it. Obviously, uh, magic defining card. <laughs> I argued. I yeah, think I it's think, the most defining think, blue card of all time. This is the this is the front runner for like in the set of like like we're gonna get to best cards, but like it's a, this is a hard one to start a category with because it's one of magic's most iconic cards ever. Mm-hmm. And it's been a card that has been restricted from reprints into modern for years because people have felt like it's so good. So like, we don't really need to talk about how good Counterspell is. I, I feel like the only conversation is like, what's the best art. And like, I know you have a dope seventh edition foil. Don't you, don't you have the seventh edition foil Counterspell? Didn't, or am I, did I make that up? No, I have that. I, yeah, I have a foil seventh edition signed by Richard Garfield. Uh, That's like I also stuff. have, <laughs> I think I have a foil Japanese and foil American uh, Mystic Archive foils okay. as well, and I have uh, I have the foil Jace's book thing. I have like when I get to play four counter spells in modern, I'm going to have four different printings, and they're all going to be dope uh, AF, and it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, that's like super sweet. So Figuring I feel out like that, that fourth one's the hard part. <laughs> that conversation, as far as like what is the best counter spell, fine. I think it's the best blue card. Like I, we can we can talk about the other three a little bit more like fervently. Um, Merktide Region's an interesting card. You and I talked about this before the show. So Merktide Region is blue blue five for a three three dragon with delve um, flying. When it enters the battlefield, it gets a plus one plus one counter on it for each instant and sorcery card exiled with it. And whenever an instant or sorcery card leaves your graveyard, put a plus one plus one counter on Merktide Region. So. I think I wrongly called this like a Hogak level power card before the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that it's a Hogak level card. It's that it's just let's just pretend you do any kind of like cantrip self mill anything at all in the first couple turns of the game. This is going to be like a two mana five five or a two mana six six flyer that gets better as the game goes on and it costs you very little to do it. That like I mean I know Hogak was part of a combo engine, which is what made Hogak Hogak. But like this is so good. Yeah, I think I think this card to me is more comparable to um, Tassiger or um, Gurmag Angler, right? Like delve okay. beaters that are efficient, and you play decks that benefit by putting a bunch of cards in your graveyard and you delve them away, like that delve style play gameplay, or even more in like an interesting way is the decks that were already kind of doing that for um, logic, Knot that now have crypt uh, counterspell to play instead. So you can play this instead of the logic, Knot to eat your graveyard as like a, a version of that. People, you're not the only one people are like, Oh man, this is, this is Hogak again. And like, the reason Hogak was good was it's like interaction with sack outlets that milled yourself. But I forget what it's called. Uh, the, the artifact altar of dementia, altar of dementia and, and casting cards from your graveyard, like the ability to cast from your graveyard plus altar of dementia created this like specific type of combo engine that was just so degenerate that you just like won the game. And it was an eight, eight beater, right? This is just a eight, eight beater that flies, which is still really good. It's just like Hogek the the problems with Hogak were not that it was in eight eight for two. It's almost like there's three <laughs> categories of cards. There's 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 fair magic, there's uh pushed fair magic, and then there's like incidentally unfair magic. And like Hogak is in the category of incidentally unfair because the way that it combined with other cards made it such that just the delve ability wasn't the problem. It was the fact that it with something else created this toxic thing that kind of just ruined the format because like it was just going to be faster than you. and It was going to get the job done. Mm -hmm. This is, 
pushed fair. So it's still like you're just removing cards from your graveyard that you have to get there somehow to make a big creature. Doesn't enter the battlefield and say like your opponent sacrificed two lands. Like it's just a really good beater. It doesn't do anything else. If they path it, you just get a land, right? That's what happens. You spent all this time and network and energy. Like that's what this card is. And so I think to that end, it's not quite the same level, but I think to the end of like blue getting a like big time upgrade, I think the fact that this flies is something that really stands out to me when you talk about Tassiger and you talk about Angler, like, yeah, but it's, it's also blue. double blue, which is a cost of that, right? That's like what you're paying above Angler is like Angler is a one drop five, five. This is a two drop five, five, maybe six, six. Let's say perfectly. It's an eight, eight, like perfect world. It's an eight, eight. It's that's so hard to pull off too. Yeah. I don't know. Really quickly before we move on. I just want to say I'm imagining a deck that plays four Hedron Crab, four Ruin Crab. Uh, no, probably not even for Ruin Crab, actually. Just Hedron, because I want to be able to control it. Four Hedron Crab, four Jace's Phantasm, four of this card, um, and then a whole bunch of cantrips. And I want to be able to just like play fetch lands and mill myself to be able to make this card the best it possibly can be, but then just have Hedron Crabs in my deck where I'm like, oh yeah, like <laughs> I have this one mana one one that I just drew a fetch land and oh, you have four cards in your graveyard. Okay, I'll just play this fetch land and mill you both times and then I'll have a five five play. That was just in my, it just is in my deck. Like that's what I want to do with this. I yeah. want to be able to do it both ways. That's and it fair. seems like just a beater. And like I'm playing Force of Negation and I'm playing like all of the blue things that are sweet. I even probably play the new incarnation so I can bounce things out of the way. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, next card is Suspend. This is one that's already seeing a ton of play. Um, this card is being compared to as the Blue Swords of Plowshare. Uh, I do actually think it has that ability. It's an interesting space. Someone asked, do I think it's better than Path to Exile in Modern? And I think that, A, it's an Inquisition to Cozy Like Thoughtseize kind of situation where you can play both. <laughs> There's nothing that stops you from playing both cards. Um, and they have different uses. I do think that if your deck is trying to win by turn four, uh, suspend is better. I think that if your deck is trying to win after turn four or is trying to stop your opponent from winning to get to a later point of the game or just stop your opponent from winning in general to win your game later, uh, path is better, right? Because it, it gets you to that late game a little bit stronger. I do think you want both. Um, and there are cooler things to do with suspend, right? Because there's like that, that's just base level using this removal spell. Then add the fact that like suspend late game can let you like rebuy a, ca- a snapcaster mage for value if there's a blocker and you just want to use it to like uh, buy a cantrip rebuy a cantrip in a few turns it can be used with teferi to lock your opponent's creatures out right like once they come back if teferi's in play three mana teferi they no longer get to play the card um and it just has this ability to be a really versatile removal spell with some value engine capabilities plus combo with other cards yeah, I mean, this card, I, I mentioned it on the last show, and I think I actually said Suspend uh, when I was talking about the card Delay, which is funny. I, like, I corrected myself, but the card is just called Suspend. Yes. Um, but it, it it is in the family of what we always talk about with Pongify and Rapid Hybridization. It's just, it doesn't give them a 3-3, and it exiles. And so it's just very, 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 very efficient. I do think that there's a thing that happens where you're playing against somebody and you go, okay, I have this, I have this removal spell in my hand and I'm going to use it at the opportune time. And it's going to turn the game so that I can open up the pathway for me to win. And I think the fact that the card comes back means that 
you have to play this at a time where you're going to be able to win the game in short order. Like you have to be able to know that your deck does a thing or has a game plan because otherwise you're going to be forced to use this before you have that plan set up. And by the time your plan's going, they're just going to get their creature back. And then you just kind of lost a card to like well, delay the game a little bit. Well, except that sometimes creatures are really good on turn two, three, and four, but terrible turn five, six, and seven, right? Like ignoble hierarchy being a good example of that. Or even just like, the the murktide region or a delve like like murktide region where you no longer get the cool trigger because it's no longer exiling anything when it enters play there's like things you can do with it that like people build on that lets you get rid of stuff there's also like the fact that um uh uh uh, uh not arcbound ravager um xx for do damage for hanger back no no the other one uh, uh, walking ballista. Walking ballista. Um, the fact that walking ballista combo is one of the most powerful combos in the format. Uh, suspend allowing you to kill walking ballista if they ever put in the play at instant speed without them being able to kind of if they don't have the combat immediately. Like, like there's like versatile things about it. I think it's just a good removal spell, right? I think like like delay was already playable, and this is I think like this is a like it, we've always talked that there's like the top played one drops and blue's always been like a serum visions effect. I think suspend could be its removal spell in that spot where like green now has um, the like you draw a card and you have protection from black or blue spells uh, path. Uh, uh, you get um, fatal push blue now has has suspend and obviously lightning bolt. So I think that's really cool. I do think it's interesting that it's a that it's a rare. I think that's like kind of a, a funky uh, printing, but like. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I, I think that card's awesome. I think it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. And then the last blue card is the uh, Merfolk God. Um, obviously a powerful commander. Great in Merfolk. We talked a lot about it last week. The ability to protect your Merfolk while also drawing you a bunch of cards is just like very strong. That deck has gotten a lot of new tools. And this is definitely an engine card that goes on top of it. It also just being a 3-4 um, yeah. indestructible is just going to be a thing you have to deal with um, and is going to be really powerful. I think we compared this last week already to uh, the uh, Coppola. And it's yep. like, that's like the difference between like a standard legend and like a Horizons 2 legend is that like this is just a busted card in the deck, whereas the other one's like a very good card. Yep. It's just, yeah, this is just really good. It's uh-huh. not as good as the other blue cards, but right. it's very good. Right. Uh, next is best white card, Esper Sentinel, Prismatic Ending, Solitude, and Karmic Guide are our four nominees. Uh, Esper Sentinel is the one mana, uh, one one that uh, artifact creature that you, uh, the first spell of every player's turn, they have to pay X, where X is its uh, power. And if they don't, you draw a card. So it's kind of like it lives in the world of Ristic Study. It's, it's, uh, People referring to them as Ristic Buddy, uh, <laughs> um, but one mana in white. Um, you have um, Prismatic Ending, which is the X white removal spell that people um, that was actually better. I think at one point it was an instant uh, that they had to they had to downgrade uh, in the release notes, but it is. Um, just really efficient X white uh, exile a creature equal to how much mana you spent on it. Um, of, of different colors, I believe, right? It's the, um, let me find the exact. Yeah, it's, it's Converge, Exile, Target, and Online Permanent if mana value is less than or equal to the number of colors of mana spent to cast this spell. Uh, just a, another efficient removal spell. Um, you have Solitude, which is the white 
uh, incarnation gets a pat, which I think is maybe my favorite card of these. And then you have Karmic Guide, which is one of my favorite reprints in the set. Uh, White, I think, actually got a lot more power than this. Like we, like it was a much flatter one because uh, you have everything from Soul Snare to Abiding Grace to um so like there's just like a lot of power level for this color in this set which is good because white needs it uh healer's flock which is not that but that's the the white 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 three flying lifelink uh version of that I, bird I, but i'm surprised that we didn't i'm surprised that i mean you just mentioned it a second ago but i'm surprised you weren't more hyped on soul snare i feel like that card is totally don't you oh, love was, that card when it was printed it was very hyped yeah yeah, yeah. i just we, we don't get to choose this there's a whole nomination process soul snare wasn't nominated we can't change we can't change the academy just i know i'm not i am i i am uh, just a presenter all right people people send me envelopes with information on it um of these cards the one yeah i feel like it's 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 so clearly solitude like this is this is another one of those situations where it's like there's a card they printed that was just like oh jaw drop on the floor like this will be played forever as one of the best white cards ever printed uh i think there are some good cards i really like as sentinel i think specifically for modern as humans is a deck that consistently ebbs and flows in terms of popularity i think this is such a good human like it's Mm -hmm. such a good human um but i do think that when you're just talking about what decks in modern like need to push them over the top, it's free things, and getting a free exile removal spell is so good. So like, it's busted. <laughs> right, right, and I think uh, uh, I I think like Karmic Guide has a big chance of being a very powerful card. It's a part of a pretty wide strategy of powerful things. Prismatic Ending is like the kind of one of the most efficient removal spells ever printed. It was nerfed to be, be a sorcery in design. So I'm interested to see if it does see its same amount of play, but it it is, will always be one of the really, really powerful options for white. And then I I do think Esper Sentinel, like even outside of modern, like we'll see more play than I think maybe the other four of these cards. Like this is the, that is a card that will be a commander staple forever. And because of that, you're just going to see it a lot more often. It's going to be one that like, if, if like, it could be just, more popular just from that fact alone um so it's it's an interesting it'll be an interesting battle um now best artifact we got we got four options um number one is academy manufacturer number two is cauldra complete uh number three is sort of hearth and home and number four is underworld cookbook um the cookbook we talked about a little bit already it's the discard outlet that goes along with trans of um and (laughs) <laughs> Obviously, way too many letters. <laughs> never gonna, never gonna try. People are making like jokes, it. like people will try and pronounce this word correctly before other ones, and I have zero plans on ever pronouncing that word correctly. <laughs> I can, are you? If you tried your best right now to do it off of memory, what would it sound like? Uh, I'll just try reading it off the memory. Uh, after reading me, I know I don't even know. Uh, reading it <laughs> as Moran no more decai destin cool decar. Sounds great to me. Um, um, so, but first, first on this, this is, is a Academy manufacturer. Uh, this is the, uh, three mana one, three. If you would create a clue, food or treasure token, instead create one of each. Uh, so just multiplying those cards. These, this is already seeing, uh, like play in modern, uh, just the ability, like artifact token creators have already shown their power level in pretty much every format and the ability right. to have a creature that triples that number right it's not even it's not just you get one clue it's you get a clue food and a treasure token and then those interact with each other really well so it's like almost a lord for those cards where then like cards that were balanced with clues for instance which are harder to make 
now get the trigger off of you making food tokens with goose and et cetera, et cetera. So I think, I think it just like has the potential to break things in a way that's really interesting. What are your thoughts on Academy manufacturer? I mean, I think like it, the fact that it costs three and is just a creature. And like, then after that, it costs three, you, you double up on your things. Um, it seems good. It just seems like very like a cute piece, a cute piece in a deck that I think is cool, but it doesn't seem like it's quite on the level of, I think some of the other cards that I, I'm seeing from the set. I think the one card we didn't mention that I'm surprised actually didn't make the list was the soul talisman. I'm surprised that people didn't get more hyped on suspend soul ring. But I think if we're going to talk about cards that are on here, the sword, the sword of hearth and home, and you were, you called it trying to only- trying to nominate cards after the fact. <laughs> I was shocked, but 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 I was going to say Cards sort of bad. hearth and home. You called it when we were talking about a set that they only did one. They're saving the other one. So other um, two. we have we have two. We have blue, black and uh, green, red to not have been printed. Uh, OK, this one is so like wheelhouse of cards that have already existed, right? Because it's just a combination of what is it? Sort of the animus and uh just a, just a blink thing okay is there a- i don't think there's a blink sword yeah yeah i mean it has the sort of the animus text it does come into play untapped which is not insignificant um i think this is the best of the new swords uh i think they maybe even saw Better the response the, the last two i think part of that is also that just like swords are worse in modern than they used to be uh right. they still see some play like sort of like feast of famine and fire and i still see play the blue white one and the red black one didn't really see much play in modern and so i think this is them trying to hit that heart a little bit harder um and part of it is also protection like i think they do balance with protection of mine blue white is a, a strategy that having protection from is significant red black is a pretty significant color combo to have stra- protection from green white is as well but it not the best removal spells um just protects you from path basically and not solitude yeah protects you from some some, from decent removal spells and 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 gets around green blockers so it's not irrelevant um so i I do think this is cool and obviously blinking and getting lands are really powerful i think the big one here uh the big two are the next two though i think caldra uh uh complete is already seeing a ton of plays already one of the more expensive cards in the set the fact that it's a snapcaster mage not snapcaster mage sorry the fact that a stoneforge mystic can sneak caldra into play is super scary seven mana legendary artifact equipment it's a living weapon indestructible and then it's plus five plus five first strike trample indestructible haste and whenever it deals combat damage to a creature just exile that creature like i mean obviously at seven i can't just go just go as far as say this is just better than batter skull it's like it costs seven if you don't have a way to cheat it into play it costs seven Mm -hmm. like five is a lot more manageable but like if you're going to cheat one of them into play, this is such a beating. Like it's so good. Yeah, and, and as decks I've seen so far, I've been running both. And I think, I think the difference between the two is that batter skull is a, is a much harder to destroy threat in control yeah. decks. Cause you're able to bounce it to your hand at instant speed at five mana. It's more castable, but cauldra is also just, if it's, if they don't have path to exile, this card is so hard to fight against. Now suspend is good against it, right? Suspend is able to, to exile the token forever basically, but getting it into play with the Stoneforge mystic is just like such a beating that like, it's already seeing good play. Uh, and so, so I think it's like, it's pretty powerful. Um, it's just like a really big threat. Not to mention like Tron is already looking at it as well. Um, Cause you can play it and then also equip it to things. If your token dies for whatever reason with the Tron mana it you have. Seven. It's so classic Tron. Yep. Uh, and then the last deck card, which I think people were underrating at first when they first saw it was the underworld cookbook. And that is one mana 
tap it to discard a card, create a food token, uh, or four mana tap it, sacrifice it to return target creature from your graveyard to your hand. Now, this is also tutorable with Asmoron, Mordecai, whatever. Um, Excellent. Caldecar. <laughs> uh, uh, but basically, we've already seen like the ability with Witch's Oven that, that like tap, cost, make a food token is just like weirdly very good. Um, and I would argue sacrificing a creature is worse by a wide margin than discarding a card. And it is still very good. Sacrificing creature tap is a very good ability. Tapping to discard a card when this lets you cast your Asmoron and more to die. To, it lets you cast your, um, the frilled, frilled root walla. It lets you, there's so many different things you can do with the discard outlet that I will talk about forever. If you allow me, um, lingering souls, <laughs> flashback cards, we can keep going. Um, but, that that's good enough on its own. And then it has the value of being able to buy stuff late game. If you eventually like your hand is you've ran out of cards in your hand and you need something to do. This lets you rebuy a creature back from your graveyard to play it. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think everything you're saying there when it comes to that stuff is, is powerful. I mean, I've never been as big of a fan of that type of deck as you have. So I'll never expound on it quite as much. Um, but if you're going to talk about the different artifacts, the one that gets me the most excited, it's probably the, the cauldron. That's, that's probably the one when I think about the stuff that I like doing, I've always loved playing a turn two Stormforge Mystic. Like, if they don't have an answer, just like having Batter Skull is great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just it's even better. So, it is interesting that the thing that gets rid of uh, Batter Skull's token, right? The the, the path of exile. Yep. Path and, and now suspend. suspend does the same thing against this, which is smart that it's designed the same way that you can still exile. The indestructible doesn't yep. matter. Yep. But like, but it is notable that that uh. Fatal Push could get rid of the token. It cannot get rid of this. It can't, oh, yeah. of On, on Batter Skull. But Batter Skull can yeah. rebuy itself. That's like the difference, Correct. right? Correct. Um, all right. So the way, because we are, we are running a little low on time, the way I actually want to do this, we're going to do a best gold card, best land. We're going to discuss them the same way. And then I'm going to read through all of the other announcements, but we are not going to discuss every single card on them. So we're just going to have to just one word comments i'm like mm, yes that's great uh all right best gold card We're first one so is so good at being efficient on time that's it's, it's like i'm gonna barrel quality. through it uh this the car uh is number one grist shardless agent scythus and dacon shadow slayer so grist is the planeswalker so this is the one that like broke the rules of magic right so it is a as long as grist the tidehunger isn't on the battlefield it's a 1-1 insect green creature addition to its other type so everywhere else you can tutor for it if it's in your graveyard it's a creature you can reanimate it uh if you have something that reveals a creature on the top of your library it's a creature uh create a one you can plus it to create a 1-1 black green and in, uh, insect creature token then mill a card if an insect creature was milled this way put a loyalty counter on grift and repeat this process so this is a three mana planeswalker with a plus that protects itself. So you plus one to get an insect mill and you can repeat that process. So it can go really quickly. You minus two, you may sacrifice a creature when you do destroy target creature or planeswalker. So it has, you know, pseudo vindicate on the bottom and then minus five. Each opponent loses life equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think this card is already seeing play in, in, in Jun like decks. The fact that it's a three mana planeswalker that pluses to generate value, like it, like that's normally what they're not allowed to do, right? That's the three mana planeswalker limit. Without all of the other shenanigans, the fact that it's a creature, meaning that you can tutor for it, you can birthing pod for it, not in modern, but in other formats, like they're all the real cute things you can do with it. Then the fact that it can be a commander, like this card has the potential to just be like an all time great. Plus the alt art version is like gorgeous. Um, I think this card is is... 
Like, I know you mentioned you didn't really take a, a quick look at it, but like it weirdly breaks anything that breaks the game of magic, right? This like breaks the rules. It's a creature when it's not a planeswalker. And then add the fact that it's a three mana planeswalker that is a plus that creates creatures. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely powerful. I guess it feels like the ability is sort of just a little bit marginal, like the 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 actual things the card is doing. It's like making a one one. And if you mill it, I guess if you have, are playing a dedicated insect deck, like that's cool. I guess a plus one. Well, remember it counts minus, itself. So if it mills itself a second copy, yeah. you get the one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and like, obviously, you sack a creature. The fact that you can destroy a planeswalker with the minus, I think, is especially good. That does stand out to me, right? Like, that's really cool. Um, but like, a, you remember that, like, two years ago, a modern playable planeswalker at four mana, just like best ability was making a one one every turn with like Elsbeth, right? I guess it was three years ago now, but like, like there was a time where Elsbeth was like a top five planeswalker in modern, and this is, does that ability at three mana the jump ability it loses but like arguably killing a thing is sometimes better than plus three plus three i think i think it's totally fair i also think that like my estimation of oko when it was printed was garbage so like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna stand on i'm not gonna stand here and be like oh i know what's up with three mana plays like and i don't think it's the best card on this list necessarily just like i think it's very powerful uh the next card we're going to talk about is asmaran and i'm never gonna say her name correctly uh legendary creature human wizard three three uh that's its big thing is the fact that if you discard a card you may then play this card that turn for red and white red and black and you get a one mana three three out of it that then tutors for a card that lets you discard cards to make food tokens and then can use food tokens to deal six damage to have a creature deal six damage to itself so uh like a cool removal effect um this is already seen playing cool vengevine lists alongside uh her cookbook um she does really really powerful things she's a free card there's already ways people have talked about cheating her into play um like including like either violing her into play because you can just either oh, follow cool. for like on you can zero. do it on turn yeah. not for zero which is sweet um so she's just like it's very cool card that like like is like doing cool stuff and is powerful and has an advantage engine attached to it and is a beater <laughs> And has an impossible name to pronounce. And yeah. that's like one of the biggest jokes I mean, in the set. I and mean, so. the fact that you can like on uh, like do some shenanigans to get some Vengevines into your deck, into your graveyard, and then on turn two, if not theoretically, if you can get a bunch of Vengevines into your deck on turn one, on that same turn, you, like if we lived in the world of Faithless Looting, <laughs> yeah. you, yep. and Simeon Spirit Guide still being legal, you could Faithless Looting, discarding two Ven like drawing two cards, discarding uh, like Vengevine and um, Blazing Rootwalla, yeah. play the Blazing Rootwalla, and then use Simeon Spirit Guide to play as Miranda Mordecai, well, Kaidakar, right? Like that. That's like that was a thing that was possible. Now you just have to do that on turn two. You play, you play the cookbook on turn two. You. T- tap the cookbook, discard Rootwalla, play Asmarond Monicus, and then you get the Vengevine you discarded on turn one. Monicus. Uh, yeah. So, like, <laughs> and now you have a 4 3, uh, the Rootwalla, and a 3 3 in play on turn two, and food tokens, and all this other stuff, and you're that far ahead. And that's not to count all of the other cool stuff you can do. Um, I think this card's really cool. Uh, third card is the card that's a pretty known quantity, and that's Shardless Agent. This card is interesting be- to me because. In, in the printing of Shardless Agent plus other cards, like we have now been introduced to more suspend cards and also more cards that take advantage of suspend. So 
I think this is probably actually one of the most balanced cards. Like it, it being a two, two for three that is accomplishing the same thing that other three mana cascade cards do already in modern is great. Like it's nice that you can get a creature out of this instead of just like a, sh- like a really crappy demonic dread or something. Um, but I was thinking, like, we didn't even put the red card, the 3-1 for 2 on our list, right? Like, there's there's other stuff that's like, plays in the same space. So I actually kind of think that this card is exactly balanced for the power level of modern at this point. Yeah. I don't even think it's like, busted. I think it's just, like, kind of normal. I think it's not actually taking advantage of it, right? Like, the fact that Bloodbraid Elf is still a top-tier playable card in modern, not, like, not maybe where it was at one point, but still in the top cards. This, like, people are already playing with Cascade decks. We were playing with both, just trying to get the value. Um, it's like it, there's already be a re- reinvigoration towards the living end decks because, like, sh- having a two, two, three mana creature that lets you cascade into living end is much better than having to, like, play a bunch of instants and sorceries that actually don't do anything to get to living end because this lets oh. you block if there's a fail case or whatever. Um, and just like it's also just like the same reason why reason Bloodbraid Elf is good in Jund, right? Like Bloodbraid Elf in Jund is not trying to get you cheat something insane in the play. It's just trying to get you another card that's powerful. And and so for four mana, you're getting normally seven mana worth of cards. And this does the same thing for two mana, right? Like cascading this into a Ren and Six is good. Like the fact that you can play like a rug Bloodbraid Elf that cascades into this, that cascades into Ren and Six is like just gonna put you so far ahead on board in a really fun way. And doesn't even get into the ancestral visions shenanigans that you can do or like some of the new cards like from profane tutor to the red version of that that like lets you warp world your side of the board and cheat emeralds in the play which is an option with this card now um and it's a and it's an artifact creature which is not irrelevant for delirium right that's like the other thing is and there are good jun delirium cards so uh that's that's another piece of that um, the next card is Scythus. This is the uh, two mana Enchantress. Um, Enchantress definitely got a lot of really powerful cards. The Seth set green and a white one, two. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you gain one life and draw a card. Like the gaining a life is extra. I think people would be really hyped for this card at one and a green if it just drew cards, <laughs> right? I mean, like it also this stabilizes. Compares, this, this compares to green one, zero one Argothian Enchantress that has Shroud. And whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you draw a card. So like, that's like that's the space we're playing in is that you know two mana like best green enchantress of all time um you gain a life it doesn't have shroud it doesn't cost three though and it also isn't a zero one <laughs> so like i it's not as good as Argothian enchantress i guess probably because like the the protected thing is pretty powerful but it mm, it's not mana. much worse but it's not- two mana is a big ga- two mana is a big game like Costing only well, two mana. But Argothian costs two. Oh, 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 sure. Sorry. Okay. Argothian's yeah. the old I was, thinking, I was thinking of Enchantress Presence, which is also in this set, which is the two green enchantment yeah. that has enchant does the Enchantress thing. But this like, is the second best Enchantress ever printed, is what it is. It's 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 not as good as the classic legacy version, because sure. that version has protection, but it's better than every other one. Verdura and Enchantress is a joke compared to this. Right, right. And then and then you add that they got other Enchantress cards into the format, I think also bumped the power level because you have stuff. You have like the Sarah's Sanctum on a creature that's like really good. And you have that's also an enchantment creature. So it triggers this when it comes into play. You have Enchanter's Presence, which is an enchantment that does it. And then you have all the other enchantment stuff that was printed in in Theros Beyond Death that already made it close. Right. There's the three mana one that gets a plus one plus one counter for every enchantment you play that would just be playable in that deck because it 
it, it's like a, a threat and a creature. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. I, I'm excited to see what these Enchantress decks do. Um, and then the last card is Dacon. Face of the set. White, blue, black. Zero uh, loyalty Planeswalker Dacon. Uh, it enters the battlefield with the number of loyalty counters on him equal to the number of lands you control. Plus one surveil two minus three exile target creature minus six. You may put an artifact card from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield. Um, this card's dope. Like the- I find this card so interesting because it's like really cool, but also really exactly at the level of power that I think I kind of expect a planeswalker in this set to be. It's sort of pushed exactly in the way that I think I would hope they would push a card because I don't look at this and go. There's no concern that this is going to be unfair. My, my exact expectation is this card is going to be really sweet and people will play it. It won't make a huge impact. It will not be as good as Ren and Six, but it will be better than most Planeswalkers. It will have a place. It'll have yeah. a real place, and it's a very cool card that scales nicely to late game, which I think is great. The fact that in Esper decks, it's a like a, it, like its worst case scenario is Esper Charm in the sense that like it's three mana, destroy, exile target creature. Right. right. Worst case scenario, it's it's three mana exile target creature. That card would have seen play in this format, it, especially because it's three mana exile target creature put a planeswalker into your graveyard that like you can get back with some Titan later. Or like if you're playing that like or a, a graveyard delirium. strategy or, or adds a yeah. delirium or makes your you know, tarmac, whatever. The fact that it also then plus twos a surveil, which plays into that graveyard shenanigan deck where like you do maybe you're playing this as a reanimate companion it coming down then you surveil to um, allowing you to play kind of like maybe a, a solar flare sun Titan deck again, which I think would be really cool. Uh, and then at minus six and surveil two as a plus is also just insane, right? Like it protects itself if you need to. And then surveil two is like, like it is better than scry two because it, you mill stuff. Uh, and then minus six, you may put an artifact card from your graveyard from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield. That's, because it it can just on turn six, if you cast this, it just gets to do that. You don't have to get to six loyalty. You just have to have six land in play. And so being able to play that, like the fact that this is in a artifact reanimator strategy deck, which there are good things. And, and there are other cards printed that play into that space, like persist. And then you have a market that can put them in your graveyard as well. But the fact that this and persist can act as your two, like, black white blue artifact reanimator get ink with the leviathan and then protect it control decks is like really cool um and i think has has a home for him in 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 the world of this set yeah so those are those are those are our five best gold cards i'm actually interested to see who wins this because i think this is a flatter power level scale i I think there doesn't there's not there's not like a there's not like a clear best yeah i think it might be as more random guy just because the memes and she is seeing a lot of play already um, out the gate, but it could be Charlotte's agent, right? Like it could be Scythus. Grist right. also is like really popular. So the, it, it'll be close. All right. So the last one we're going to discuss today, and then I'll just go through all of them and Ben will listen and, and go, mm, and ah, and clap mm. uh, when he's excited, uh, is going to be best lands that are not fetch lands or basics. We know that fetch lands are the best. Well, fetch lands might not be the best lands, but, uh, it would be unfun to include them. First we have, uh, Urza Saga, which uh, is another contender for best card in the set, already being talked about as needing to be banned ASAP. Field of the Dead level of player more. Uh, one of the first cards printed. We've talked about this a lot, um, but 
but, yeah, it was but previewed early. super scary, like already being talked about uh, uh, getting banned. Cabal Coffers, uh, Commander Staple, um, one of the best black land producing mana lands of all time, you know, has the ability with Urborg to create really cool decks that do fun things. Um, Yavamaya, Cradle of Growth, the green Urborg. Uh, I did see a funny thing of basically like, there's like there's a reason that the blue one, the red one, and the white one will never be printed. Um, and, oh, oh, I saw oh, Aaron, oh. Aaron. It was Aaron Forsythe was yeah. tweeting about it, and he, and he was saying it's boil, uh, boil, uh, flash fires, maybe, maybe, yeah, destroy. It's the red spell that destroys all islands. I think is flat or that's boil. That's, that's boil. boil. I think planes. flash fires is destroy all planes. Yes, yeah. Uh, is the two red ones, and then Malakut yeah. was for mountains. Yeah. Yep. So, exactly. but green one, this is like, this is the card that everyone was complaining. Why does green get all like this in Yaga Moss like green got two of the best black cards ever printed in green for some reason. Uh, <laughs> and then Riptide Laboratory is number four, um, which just allows you to bounce wizards to your hands, lock people out with Venser is like a free roll in a lot of decks to rebuy your Snapcaster mages. Um, and I think it's actually probably being a little undervalued. I mean, it did make it here. There weren't a lot of options to make it into the best lands, um, but Riptide Laboratory made it to the top four. Um, I feel like of this group, it's pretty clearly Urza Saga is the one that is the most powerful because it's just a freaking land that's going to get you something into play on turn three and like ramps you good. and tutors. Like, yep. Yep. It's Already good. breaking the format. Uh, yeah, it's like really busted. It was a splashy card. So it's cool. It's a cool card that it's a land that does a saga. Um, I think that the green, the, the green Urborg is totally cool. I don't think it's like busted by any means. I think it's just yeah. as good as the black one. I think there's like cool things you can do with it that like maybe is like busted in the long run. I just don't. Yeah, it it, it, it seems like a lot safer than even Urborg is. <laughs> it just seems cool to me. Um I, I love laboratory. I, it's always been one of my favorite lands. I think it's such a sweet card. Like it interacts favorably with so many cool things from these mentioned Spencer, or Snapcaster to like spell stutter Sprite. Like there's just so many cool things that yeah. it does. Like making a fairies um, deck work. Honestly, one of the reasons I don't like subtlety as much is partially because of Riptide laboratory. And like, I'd rather play Venser. Like I, 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 I don't want to go. We don't want to rant on the last one why I don't like subtlety and it didn't make it into any of our nominations. So I think people are starting to agree with us. But um, just like if you're talking about a four mana flash creature that counters a spell, I'd rather play Venser. If you're talking about the free half, I think there's a lot of other issues with subtlety. But Riptide Laboratory being able to bounce both um, spell stutter sprite and Venser is like a really big game to me that I think is really powerful. Yeah, fair. Uh, all right, now. That's it. That's all the cards we're discussing tonight. I'm going to list, but we are going to list all of the other categories. You can also look all of this below. Please vote uh, and make sure I would recommend make sure to save your votes to see if you predicted correctly who won. And uh, we will be giving away prizes that will be announced during the 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 show um, to the person who uh, submits their um, who who had the closest to the winners um, uh, of I everyone. The only thing we missed was to talk about Cabal Coffers. I don't think we mentioned it. It's, oh, sure. You can, we talked about it before, really, but yes. It's really good. I mean, it's like it's a, it's a classically powerful card. I don't have that much to say about it. I just we didn't want anybody listening to like not the yeah, way yeah. Monoblectron like is a thing that's been talked about. The fact that this lets you do that and with again some hate cards a little bit more easily um, or just play better cards than random artifact spells. Um, yeah, I think it's like really powerful uh, and like we'll 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 see some amount of play. Uh, and yeah, so next the next category. So best new to modern reprint. The options are Counterspell, Goblin Bombardment, Charlotte's Agent, Titania, and Vindicate. Of those, we discussed three of them. Titania 
offering land strategies and Vindicate being one of the best removal spells of all time. Uh, now, any any thoughts, Ben? And what's your favorite without talking about them? I, I, I love Vindicate. I love that card. Uh, Titania is really great. It's a cool finisher card. I think none of those, the, the ones we talked about will be the ones that'll win. Sure. I think Vindicate's awesome, but it's not going to be that good. I was surprised Vindicate wasn't nominated for 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 uh, big gold. Kind of a snub in best gold card, if you ask me. It's just uh, it's just faded. It's just faded is all. Uh, best new card, uh, Grief, Urza Saga, Ennoble Hierarch, Dam, or Dwathi Voidwalker. Um, for me, we talked about all of those cards. Yeah, we talked about all those cards. Uh, I think uh, we we don't have to predict here. I don't want to. I don't want to tame people too much. Funniest card: Dermo Taxi, Asmorana Mordecai, da 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 Tuldakar, uh, Chitter Spitter, uh, Late to Dinner, and Innoble Hierarch. Um, I I I mean, I think the jokes speak for themselves. I'm excited to see who people vote for. Um, best flavor reference. So this is a reference to the story. We have captured by Lagax as Marana Gosh, She's like this. She's the Titanic of this of this nomination process. Just every category sweeping. She's gonna sweep the Academy. Um, Garth One Eye Ignoble Hierarch. Um, best common Bone Shards Goblin and Narcomancer. Abundant Harvest and Chatterstorm. This is also a throwback to all of our Popper fans uh, in the audience. Um, and Chatterstorm will get banned. Yep. Chatterstorm could be banned. Uh, oh no, no, that's that's the best common in Popper for sure. It'll get banned. Best common. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about most likely to get banned in a second. Best legendary creature Grist, which is you know cheating his way in there. Uh, Asmoranda Mordecai to Kaldakar, uh, Lothis, Chatterfang, Garth One Eye, and Ragavan. Um, best card for the 99 in EDH, Dwathi Voidwalker, Sword of Hearth and Home, Solitude, and Damn. We actually had to consolidate the CDH category and the regular category. Uh, so that's that's how you got those four. Uh, most likely to get banned, we have Grief, Urza's Saga, Dwathi Voidwalker, and Chatterstorm. You mentioned Chatterstorm, Ben, and here it is, and most likely to get banned. That would probably be in Popper. This, is, this I believe, is meant for all formats, uh, though, though the other three are definitely leaning into Legacy or, or, or Modern, I think. And and then, last but not least, the nominations for best card in Modern Horizons 2. Uh, let me just open this this envelope. <laughs> We're doing that next week. Uh, oh, I need to print out envelopes for all these. Uh, best cards options are Grief, Asmoran, Namor, Dakai, Dakar, Distan, Dakal, Dakar, Urza's Saga, Ignoble Hierarch, Dwathi Voidwalker and Ragavan Nimble Pilferer. So let's, glad Ragavan made it in. Let's make a, let's a little clap for for our for our, our best card nominees. Uh, so as I and said, the winner goes to. No, we don't. We'll we see don't, you next. Week. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Uh, you're gonna you get to vote. This is this is the best part. So we'll, we'll, we will be uh, doing this tomorrow. This releases on Monday. So um, make sure to check in for the live stream. It'll be at 7:30 p.m. on the Kess Wiley Twitch uh, p.m. PSD on the Twitch the Cass Wiley Twitch channel. Um, and then we'll be released uh, 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 in, in edited format with pictures and all of that stuff the following Monday. Uh, but next Tuesday at, at, at 7.30 p.m. on on Twitch, I uh, will be going through all these. But the below, link below the video, you can still vote. There's still time. Make sure to save what your picks were. Uh, I believe the system also does that. And there's a place that you can put your 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 Twitter handle or, or a different place to contact you. Um, in case, because if you have the closest to the final bid, 
Uh, and if there's multiple people that get it perfectly correct, we'll be picking one at random. There'll be uh, some prizes that we give away uh, that we'll be announcing uh, during the show that week. So thank you all so much for listening. Thank you um, for watching. Also, we have a new partnership with TCG Player. Uh, you can click a link below. If you click that link below, just basically from that point on, if you shop on TCG Player, uh, it helps us. They help us thinks you helped them. So just click on that link. Uh, make sure you're logged in on TCG Player so they can track that you clicked on it. And that's all you have to do. You don't have to, you don't have to put a code in. You don't have to remember anything. Just click that link. Uh, that's super exciting. Uh, if you want to support the podcast even further, we do have a patron. You get early uh, access to these videos. You had this last week. You could have been voting this whole time. You could have been already aware of what's going on, uh, <laughs> that this was already posted to the Patreon. We also have a Discord link below uh, that's been opened up to the public, available for everyone. Uh, there's a lot of cool content that's going on there. Uh, and they um, are like, we've been there's just like really dope modern 5.0 lists that keep getting posted that are really exciting. Affinity's back, baby. Um, and that's like, that's that's the place to be. So make sure to check out the Discord as well. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Cass Wiley. Ben is at Ben Bateman Media. And make sure to check out every Monday night, 7.30 p.m. Uh, we're doing a commander stream tonight. We'll be doing uh, each playing a different commander deck from Modern Horizons 2 with the playlist. Michael Grothy and Marshall James will be joining. Uh, and thank you all for watching. Please hit that like, subscribe. If you're on iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review, uh, all of those things. And we'll talk to you all next uh, t- tomorrow, tonight at all times. I'm always talking yes. to you. Bye, yes, everybody. Bye, guys. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.